Happy Easter. A blessed Resurrection Sunday to you from all of us at Encounter God's Truth and Whitcomb Ministries. I'm Wayne Shepherd, welcoming you back to a very special holiday broadcast and the conclusion of a two-part series from our guest teacher, Dr. Woodrow Kroll. We love the tradition of having Dr. Kroll with us for the Easter season. For 23 years, he served as president and senior Bible teacher for the international radio broadcast, Back to the Bible. Now, through Woodrow Kroll Ministries and the Helios Projects, he draws on his many years of studying and teaching the scriptures by providing biblical training for pastors around the world who have little other ability to obtain theological education. Our purpose on this weekly broadcast is to bring you timeless truths for changing times. Like Dr. John Whitcomb, Dr. Kroll will help you understand that God's Word is true from the beginning to the end. You can find hundreds of broadcasts, sermons, lectures, and articles from Dr. Whitcomb and several from our friend Dr. Kroll when you visit sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb. And you'll find that page when you look us up at whitcombministries.org. Now, here's our guest teacher, Dr. Woodrow Kroll, to share six reasons why I believe in Jesus' resurrection, and you should too. Dr. Kroll takes us on a tour of the resurrection accounts given in the New Testament Gospels. So take your Bible, please, and follow along with him on this Easter Sunday. His first stop will be in Matthew 27. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a fairly discussed topic these days. I mean, everybody's talking about it. They believe in it or they don't believe in it. Some people believe in it implicitly. They have faith. They read the Bible account and they say, yep, that's true. Other people say, no, 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 that's just, those are stories. Somebody made them up just to fill out the resume of Jesus. I mean, it's not true. So the real question is this, did Jesus rise from the dead? And how do we know? Today, I want to explore six reasons why I believe in Jesus' resurrection. And you should too. Now, these are my reasons. You may have your own, but I'm going to take you right back to the original source, right back to three eyewitnesses and one very, very credible historian. Three eyewitnesses, Matthew, Mark, John, disciples of the Lord Jesus. They were there. They saw the empty tomb. They saw the Lord die. They were eyewitnesses. They knew what they were talking about. They wrote down what they knew. Luke was not an eyewitness, perhaps, but he was certainly a a historian of good repute. He was a doctor trained in medicine, but he was educated. He got all the facts before he wrote. So today, I'm going to go back to these four writers to ask this question. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Number one, first of all, Jesus was buried in a tomb. Joseph of Arimathea put Jesus' body in his new tomb. So Joseph knew it was there. The women saw the empty tomb without the body of Jesus. So they knew the body wasn't there. Something happened between Friday afternoon and Sunday morning. I believe it was the resurrection of Jesus. Joseph and Nicodemus sealed the tomb with a large stone. Uh, Matthew 27 says, When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which had been cut out of the rock. 
And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. So Joseph knew Jesus was buried in the tomb. Nicodemus knew. Mary Magdalene knew. Mary and the other women knew. The Jews knew he was in a tomb. How do I know that? Well, they were so concerned that someone would steal the body, they requested a guard from Pilate who refused them. Matthew 27, verse 64. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. See, the word spread around Jerusalem quickly that the Nazarene had been crucified. He had been certified dead by a Roman soldier, soldier who pierced his side with a sword. And he had been placed in a tomb that had been sealed by Jewish authorities. So here we are. We have Joseph of Arimathea, who knows Jesus is in his tomb. We have Nicodemus, who helped place the body of Jesus in that tomb. We have Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and the other women who were sitting opposite the tomb, across the way from the tomb, watching all this happen. They knew Jesus' body was in the tomb. The Jews knew. The Romans knew. Everybody knew. There had to be a place to start the resurrection. And that place was in Joseph's tomb. That's reason number one. Let me go on to reason number two. Jesus' disciples believed he was dead. Now, that's important. The disciples abandoned Jesus. They had genuine fear over this Passover weekend. And that fear is understandable. Jesus' execution was the kind reserved for criminals, for brigands, for thieves and insurrectionists who wanted to drive the Romans from Judea. Nevertheless, the worst thing was to know that the man they thought was the Messiah, the man who would establish a new kingdom, was disgracefully crucified. Cleopas and friends are good examples of this. This is such a good story. Let me read it to you. This is Luke 24, beginning at verse 13. That very day, on that Sunday, resurrection day, the same day that Jesus rose from the dead, the same day that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and the other Marys and, and found the tomb empty. That same day, that very day, one of them going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were walking together with each other, talking about these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking at him, sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? They said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests 
and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. This is verse 21. Listen carefully. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said to them that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Quite a story, isn't it? Two men walking away from Jerusalem after having been there when Jesus rose from the dead, having been there when Peter and John came back and Mary Magdalene and the women came back and told the disciples that Jesus had risen from the dead. They're now on their way home after a long and exhausting day. Emmaus is about seven miles from Jerusalem, so it's a fair walk. And while they're walking, they're talking about the things that happened. Jesus approaches them from behind and They do not recognize him because God keeps them from seeing his face as you would see his face. Jesus says, what are you talking about? They said, what are you, the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what happened? He said, what happened? He said, Jesus of Nazareth, our leaders condemned to death and they crucified him. And we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. See, these disciples really did believe Jesus was dead. But you know, there's a more tangible reason why I believe in the resurrection of Jesus and why I think you should as well. It's number three. Jesus' tomb was empty and it was observable. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were the first to the tomb and they discovered the stone rolled away and the tomb was empty. Mary Magdalene and the other women, how many ever there were, saw an empty tomb. They looked inside. They did not see Jesus. They did not see the body of Jesus. They saw the tomb, and it was empty and observable. They're a little bit like the man born blind in John chapter 9. You remember the story. When the theologians accused Jesus of being a sinner and asked the man to explain how he could see after Jesus healed him, His response was classic. The man said, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. John chapter 9, verse 25. See, it's observable. This man became an eyewitness to his own story. The Gospels even record that an angel certified that the tomb was empty. So the disciples, Mary Magdalene, others, Now we have an angel telling them the tomb is empty and observable. He said to the women, do not be afraid, 
For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. It's Matthew chapter 28. Now, let me just stop a minute and look at these verses with you. Did you notice the grammar in what the angel told the women? Said he is not here. He is risen, as he said. Listen again. He is not here, present tense. For he has risen, past tense. As he said, past tense. So the women are looking to a tomb and they see an angel, but they don't see Jesus. Why? Because he is, present tense, not here. Then they said, come, see the place where he lay. Now, you and I need to do that, too. We need to come and see that the tomb is empty. In our mind's eye, in our heart of hearts, we need to understand the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. We have to believe that for ourselves before someone comes knocking on our door and tries to persuade us otherwise. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. Come and see. Go and tell. Hey. That's the mission of the church today. Come and see. Spend time with Jesus in his word. And then go and tell. We know the Jews were concerned that the tomb would be empty. So you can assume they checked it out to make sure it was empty. If it was, that's bad news for the Jews. We know the Romans would have had an interest in seeing that the tomb was empty. They needed to confirm the tomb was empty or, you know, if they didn't, uh, they couldn't deny that they hadn't removed the body. So you get the facts first and then you deny any involvement. The disciples knew, Mary Magdalene knew, Joseph knew, everybody knew, the angel knew. Isn't it strange that some people today think that you can't know? When all these people who were eyewitnesses in the first century, not the 21st, say they did know that Jesus is alive and risen from the dead. But here's something else I think really seals the deal. Number four in my six reasons, the disciples believed they actually saw the risen Lord. I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road. If you believe the Bible is true and accurate, if you believe that it's inspired by God as it claims, then you have four historical accounts to look to in order to confirm your faith that Jesus was raised from the dead. If you don't believe in the historicity and accuracy of the gospel authors, I can't help you. You're on your own in your unbelief. But if the Bible is true, we have here three eyewitness accounts and the fourth, Luke, careful, trained historian. You can either live with faith or with the accounts of the first century eyewitnesses with faith. These and others are eyewitnesses who actually believe they saw Jesus alive on the third day. You can deny that and live in unbelief, 
But if you deny that and live in your unbelief, what do you rest your case on? What is the basis for your belief? There is none. Think of the list of people who saw Jesus alive after his resurrection. First, there was Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, and Joanna. Secondly, there was Peter and John. Thirdly, there was the rest of the disciples and probably their wives. They were all there for Passover weekend. Fourth, there was the two on the road to Emmaus. Number five, the disciples again in Galilee. Do you suppose that other people who wandered by the Sea of Galilee didn't see Jesus alive? I mean, it's just because the disciples saw him doesn't mean others didn't see him as well. Number six, there's Paul recording in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, that 500 of the believers saw Jesus all at one time in one place, probably Jerusalem. And then number seven, there's all those who were gathered on the top of the Mount of Olives when Jesus ascended into heaven. Think about it. Probably more than the disciples of Jesus were roaming about on the top of the Mount of Olives. Lots of people saw Jesus alive. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 and following informs us. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. If Jesus wanted to, he could have shown himself alive on that resurrection Sunday to just a small group of his own disciples, and then directly ascended into heaven. That would still leave us with a dozen, a dozen and a half, probably more, eyewitness who could confirm that Jesus was alive. But he didn't do that. Forty days expired between the resurrection and the ascension. Forty days. Acts 1, 1 to 3 declares, In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. All right, what do you suppose Jesus was doing during those 40 days? Do you think he was hiding somewhere in a cave or Maybe in the hayloft? Where where was Jesus during these 40 days? He's out and about Jerusalem declaring the kingdom of God. How many people do you think saw Jesus and recognized him during that nearly month and a half after his resurrection? I mean, the, the Christian religion isn't hiding a Jesus that's risen from the dead. It's exposing him to the world, to all of Jerusalem. Anybody could have given testimony that Jesus was alive. If you believe the Bible's gospel narratives, there is more than enough proof that Jesus rose from the dead. 
If you do not believe the Bible's gospel narratives, there isn't enough proof in the world to convince you that Jesus rose from the dead. See, my friend, the issue is not facts. There are plenty of facts. The issue is faith. Do you believe these facts? Jesus appeared on at least 10 occasions during the 40 days after his resurrection. 10 that are recorded in scripture. I believe Jesus rose from the dead because the disciples believed Jesus rose from the dead. Now, number five is this. I believe he rose from the dead, and I think you should too, because the resurrection was an integral part of the gospel. Remember Peter's first sermon on the day of Pentecost, 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven? That message centered on Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. Listen to this, Acts 2, 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Everywhere the apostles went, they preached the resurrection of Jesus. Acts 4, 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on them all. See, the essence of the gospel message is this. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You leave out these three things. You leave out this and you have left out the message of the gospel. There's no more message. I believe Jesus rose from the dead because the resurrection is a part, an integral part of the gospel. If there is no resurrection, I have no gospel to believe and I am still in my sins. And so are you. Well, finally, number six, I believe in Jesus' resurrection, and I think you should too, because the Christian church is built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christianity was not founded as a religion. Christian religion grew up around a person, Jesus of Nazareth, a person who was crucified for our sins and raised for our justification. The Christian religion is modeled after Jesus. Romans 5, 6 through 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christianity is not a religion of hate. It's not a religion of hacking to death those who don't accept our religion. It's a religion that expresses the love of God through the death and resurrection of his son. The New Testament church was built on these truths. It was not built on a system of laws or a code of behavior. It was built on the freedom to believe or not to believe in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus and receive the consequence of our choices. 
So what about it today, my friend? Do you believe in Jesus' resurrection? And if you do, thank God for the faith he gave you to believe. And if you don't, why don't you? All the facts are in favor of the resurrection of Jesus. All you need to do is add to those facts, faith. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, and I think you should too. The issue is faith. We end this special Easter program with that urgent call to believe the gospel. You're listening to Encounter God's Truth from Whitcomb Ministries, and that was our guest speaker, Dr. Woodrow Kroll. We hope you're having a wonderful, joyous Easter Sunday built on the faith and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ as we've seen it proclaimed today from all four gospel writers. To keep in touch with us this holiday weekend, visit us at facebook.com slash Ministries. We'd love to have you share a testimony there of how God used this unique Easter programming to build your faith. I'm Wayne Shepherd, concluding our time with a reading from Luke chapter 24, verses 5 through 7. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Happy Easter. Have a most blessed Resurrection Sunday.